0: Amen. Can we give God a hand of praise for he is good? Amen? Amen. Pastor Keaton and the team, they did a fabulous job, right? Yeah. Really, really good, man. Because they do what they do so well, and because you do what you do so well, it makes presenting the Word of God just powerful. My name is Aaron, and I'm a church planner, I'm a pastor. I'm on staff here at Holland Chapel. That sounds that's really cool. I like that. It's really cool. Like, And I just want to introduce myself and introduce my family and then share God's word. Pastor Kyle, I said this earlier, I want to say it again. Thank you for the opportunity to preach. Um, I know what it's like to preach and not to really want to give up your stage because that's your calling. But I want to thank you and I'm honored to stand here today. He's my friend, he's my pastor, and he believes in me. And that's all that matters a lot of days. And I really appreciate that more than you know. Thank you, Holland Chapel, for the warm welcome. I really appreciate you welcoming our family into your church and into your community and allowing us to be here. It's so powerful. Um, just a quick five-minute synopsis of kind of what's going on in our lives. We moved back to Benton um, three years ago, or not three years ago, my goodness, it not been that long, three months ago, and um, just to, to land here after planting a church in Pittsburgh. Um, and my family and I have thoroughly enjoyed being back in Benton. Um, I'm from Pryor, Oklahoma. Anybody from Oklahoma? Anybody? I met one person from Oklahoma earlier in the first service. That's really cool. I'm from Oklahoma. I grew up here in Benton. We are currently living in Haskell. I love our little community. We live in Mayberry. Like People walk up to us and say, hello neighbor, like that doesn't happen in Pittsburgh, it's really cool. My kids are going to Harmony Grove and they're thriving and doing fantastic and we're just so excited about what God is doing there. It's been a pleasure to be here on staff to see the operation of what happens behind the scenes that you don't get to see. And I want to say how much it's been an honor to work with your staff, work with the pastors that are here. Um, We've attended a couple of HC groups, it's been really cool to get to know some of you. We've hung out with some of you on Sundays outside of church. And we want to get to know you more, so hopefully we can um, just spend more time together getting to know you guys. We spent the last three months just resting, um, preparing, and planning for planting a second church. Go ahead and say it to me. You're crazy? I know. It's crazy. It's crazy that we're doing it. We're doing it again. We're going to plant our, our second church. And as most of you know, we've landed on a city. We've landed in a location, northwest Arkansas. Can I get an amen, right? And one of the things we love about Northwest Arkansas is we don't want to be a long ways away from you guys. We've learned in our hearts and what God is saying to us is we want to be close to our pastors. And honestly, we want to be close to you. And we want to be close enough that you can come see us when and if the Razorbacks ever start winning again. It doesn't really matter. Right? We want you to come and visit us at our new church plant. And we want you to be part of what we're doing. And so it's just a cool extension that God is doing. We're currently putting together our team We have two couples right now that are praying about being part of our team. And if these couples decide to be part of what we're doing... Honestly, it's going to be the dream team and God's going to do some amazing things. We're so glad in the sovereignty of God that He's allowed us to land right here where we are doing church and doing ministry with you. I want to ask you real quick, my kids are really doing good. They're rock stars. We've moved from Pittsburgh into Benton and in a few months in the summer, we're going to land in Mittenville. But I want to put a picture up of my family and I want to introduce you to them to them. It's Jeremiah, Mike, and Lily. And I just want you to jot down their names as we transition from Benton. We're gonna be moving to Bentonville, and I don't know if you know that or not, but like uh, there's a big difference between Harmony and Grow and Bentonville, right? The school district's a little smaller, and so just pray for the transition as we move into the next season of our life. I really want you to pray for them and pray for what God is doing. In them. So, just to kind of let you know a little bit about me, has any have I met some of you at the front door? If I have, would you just raise your hand? Has anybody seen me at the front door? Some of y'all haven't. Okay, cool. Maybe come in a different way, but I'll try to be out front. Here's how I would describe myself. I describe myself as a char- with, as a charismatic with a seatbelt on. Okay, a couple of laughs. Let me clarify that, just so you're probably thinking, what the heck, Pastor Kyle? Do you know who's standing on stage? But. I I like to clap. I like to get excited. Today was absolutely amazing, and I love worshiping God. And I think church should be fun. And one of the things we love about being at Holland Chapel is we have the freedom to enjoy church. Thank you for allowing us to enjoy Jesus. Amen? And I think church should be fun, and I think church, should we should do that. So Holland Chapel is a joyful place to be, and I'm so glad that we get to worship here with you today. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. In honor of God's word, we're going to jump into Philippians chapter 2. We've been talking about this book, and this book's main focus is one little word, joy. Turn to your neighbor and say joy. Okay, we're going to have fun today, and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to have a good time reading about this, this scripture. And I want to read this together. We stand in honor of God's word. Maybe you didn't bring a copy of God's word. It's okay. It's going to be on the screen. We're going to read it together. It says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, and remember where Paul is, now that I am not with you, I'm in prison, and I'm writing a letter back to you. But now that I am not there, now that I am not with you, right, it is even more important. Then he says two words that we're going to look at in just a minute. I want you to say those two words with me. Work hard. I love that. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Look at verse 13. For God is working in you. Would you say that first phrase, and I want you to hear it. I want it to resonate in your heart. Say it with me. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Let's pray. God, you are faithful, you are holy, and you are righteous. And we are here today, God, because you are alive. We're here today, God, to celebrate that. But God, we also open up our hearts and our minds to the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God, that they would come together and they would change us. We walked in here one way, but God, we want to leave here differently than the way we came in. So change us through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Let the words that you say to us today change us. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for all that you've done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Please have a seat. If you grab your program, I would sum up my sermon this way. If I could sum it up in one word, one sentence, start running and never quit. Start running and never quit. And never quit. In 2005, my family and I began part of our ministry journey of moving to Washington, PA, which is right outside of Pittsburgh, to plant plant. church. Most of you know that we spent 12 years of our lives there. And because we weren't from there, we did not have family there, the people that we began to gather became our family. They became the people that we knew as our family. And we began to grow and truly love those people like they were our family. I understand what Paul was saying in this verse in verse 12. I understand his description of what he said to those people when he wrote this letter back to them. And he said, Dear friends, I love it. I've highlighted that on the screen. And I want us to notice that, dear friends, you've always followed my instructions when I was with you. When I was there with you in Philippi and we planted the church and I spent time with you there. And now that I am away in prison, it is even more important. Remember back to your child. Remember how easy it was to follow the instructions of your parents when they're in the room? Kids, can I get an amen? Like when mom and dad are there, you're like, whoa, we're going to do exactly what they say. Because if it doesn't go, we don't do what they say. It's not going to go the way we want it to go. But then when they left the room, if they told you not to eat those cookies, you're like, well, no one's here. It doesn't really matter. No one's watching. God's not even here, right? We can't see him. We're good. And so this is what Paul is saying to this church. I was with you, but it's even more important now that I am not with you, that you follow the instructions that I gave to you. So interesting about this scripture and about this letter is Paul is writing to his church. And I'm just so, it's just been so cool this season of my life. I sat right over there, like if you're going to try to get that, we'll fight over that chair because that's my chair. And I sat there and I listened to our pastor preach the word of God. And last week, Pastor Kyle gave us three words don't put it up on the screen yet. Three words that he gave to us. And I want you to remember what he gave us. As Paul was writing to the church of Philippi, I believe our pastor stood on this stage and he gave us three instructions. Think with me. Let's put it on the screen. Let's say it together. Let's go to the next slide. Humility, unity, and maturity. All the ladies in the house, let's say it together. Here we go. Humility, unity, and maturity. What I love about this church and what I see happening and why we love being here is because we see what is happening in this church. We see humility, we see unity, and we see maturity. We love it. Can I get an amen? It's so good to be part of what God is doing right here at Holland Chapel. But I want us to move to verse, to the end of verse 2 and look at this word work. First, the end of verse 2, it says this, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. And then the very first part of verse 13, he says, For God is working in you. Let's talk about this phrase, work, and working hard and working in you. I'm currently working on trying to get fit. When I came to to Arkansas from Pennsylvania back three months ago, I felt like I was fairly fit. But I've I've been reintroduced to something in the culture here in the South called good food. Right? Right? It's barbecue, it's catfish, 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 it's catfish, that's Pittsburgh. And what here's what always comes after after every meal in Arkansas, you gotta have dessert. So what I'm understanding is I've been to some 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 AT groups, and just straight up, like you guys love to eat. Right? I mean, and so for me, what I'm experiencing is I gotta work hard to stay fit. It's not like it was in Pittsburgh where we had no fried catfish, we had no barbecue, and we didn't have sweets. So, you understand working hard. I got a quick question just to poll the audience. Anybody here like to run, work out or do yoga? Anybody? Okay. About there's about 5 or 10 of us that like to work out. How about do you like to work out? Maybe you don't like to work out but you do it anyways. You know you need to and you're okay. Then who just I hate working out and I don't want to work out? Good, we're in a safe place. You can be honest and authentic about what's going on in your life. I'm seeing, Pastor Kyle, we need to work out a little more. But what I'm seeing here, let's take that, let's transfer that into kind of the, the sports arena, into like what it looks like to work hard. Look at that verse 12. Paul says this, work hard to show the results of your salvation. It's my prayer that we are doing that. Growing up, I remember having a conversation with my dad about this verse. And I was like, Dad, I don't understand, like, So I have to work hard to be saved? And the answer then that Ralph Johnson looked at me and he gave me was, no, that's not what the Scriptures say. And in 2019 at Holland Chapel, what I've experienced and what I hear from the the stage, do we have to work for our salvation? No, it's still the same answer. But what Paul is talking about here is the sanctification process. Jesus Christ did all the work for us on the cross. And that's what we sing about, and that's why we're so excited. Our salvation was completed by his work, by what Jesus Christ did on the cross, and his resurrection of the dead. That is the gospel. I'm going to tell you right now, one of the things I know about this church, and one of the things I know about your pastor, Pastor Kyle, is that he is passionate about the gospel. That's a great place to say amen. He needs to hear that. He is passionate about the gospel and he preaches with passion because he knows that at the end of the day, the gospel is the only thing that really matters. And that's really where we are and where, why we want to be here. Paul is talking about a sanctification process that happens through discipleship. I love the way Eugene Peterson put it. If you have a pen, I want you to write this down. Long obedience in the same direction. It's the sanctification process. As a result of the work that Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, we work hard... To show the results of our salvation. And Paul is telling this young church, don't forget that you need to work hard to show that you have been saved. That's what it looks like to start running. Everybody say it with me start running and never quit. The running, the race began at the cross, and the finish line is heaven. And so Paul says to this church, start running and never quit. Look at verse 13. God is working in you. God is working in you. I want us to camp out here for just a minute. I want you to hear this from my perspective and from our perspective, from being here for three months. I want you to hear this. God is at work in this place. Okay, You need to hear that. We say it a lot in our staff meetings. You might have talked about it in your leadership. But just you, the regular person, maybe you're thinking about being part of what's happening here. I'm going to tell you, you can go around and look. But I'm going to tell you right now, I've been here. I've been to a lot of churches. And I'm going to tell you right now, God is working in this place. He's working in your pastures. Can we give them a hand let them know how much we appreciate them? Amen? Thank you guys for leading us to start the race and not finish. I'm going to tell you right now, I've only been doing this second church plant two, about three months. And I'm going to tell you, I've home sometimes like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And my pastors look at me and they're like, you're not going to quit. We're going to finish the race. But they also, I I hear it in the HC groups. I hear it. God is working. Look at our student ministry. Look at the baptisms. Can we give God a hand of praise for people being baptized? God is working in this place. And I don't know about you, but I want to be part of that. I want to be a part of a place where God is working. And this is what Paul is saying to the church at Philippi. And that's what he's saying to us. So what is he doing? He's working in us. Look at verse 13. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now hang on with me for just a moment. Let's talk about that. Aaron can't get that done on, in his own power. I've tried it. I've tried doing it on my own. I can't consistently seek to please God And muster up enough power or strength to please him. I need a supernatural power working in and through me. Pastor Kyle gave us exactly who that was last week. Who is the supernatural power? We sang about it earlier. Who is he? The Holy Spirit. You ever been to a service before and you went to a church or went to a service and you're like, ooh, he isn't present, right? Been in a situation, the Holy Spirit is here and he is working and we need to invite him in and say, Holy Spirit, if you don't show up today, this isn't going to happen. The Holy Spirit has to work through us. If we are going to run the race that is set before us and not quit, we need the Holy Spirit as our comforter and our encourager to not give up. Many of us, many of you in in a, just look around, look how many people are here. It's okay to look around. Sweet, I got some people that are brave enough to do that. In a crowd this size, would you imagine that there's probably someone who's going through a difficult situation right now? And you're on the verge of quitting. You started the race, you've given it all you got, and now you're like, God, I just can't do this anymore. We're here today because iron sharpens iron. I was standing right here on the front row, and I was like, why do I like it so much here? Because knowing that you are behind me, it gives me confidence in the power of the gospel that we can keep moving forward. We invite the Holy Spirit in and say, Holy Spirit, if you don't show up, if you don't show out, if you don't comfort me and give me strength, I can't can't do this. When we do have his help, we can accomplish these things in verses 14 and 15. This is only done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's read these verses together on the screen. Do everything. Everybody say everything. This is a little tough in the Johnson household, I'm just going to be honest with you, right? Look at, look at what he says. I mean, I'm not doing real well. I, the only reason we have been doing well is because I've been gone for two days, right? Do everything in your household. Do everything in your church. Do everything in your staff meetings. Do everything in your HT groups. Everything. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Real quick note, just side note. This is, isn't even in my notes. How y'all doing in that? I'm just not doing well. Right? But he said, "But how, so how is that possible? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's given us the power to do the things that pleases God. So do everything without complaining and arguing. Look at verse 15. So that no one can criticize you. Live clean and innocent lives as children of God. Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Does that task not seem overwhelming and it's unattainable? God, how are we going to do that? I've given you the Holy Spirit who lives within you to give you the power to do the things that please me. Look at verse 16. I love this verse. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work, say it with me, was useless. Was not useless. I'm sorry. I don't want to run without purpose, and without a reason. When I run, I don't know about you, I hate running. Anybody hate running? Okay, good. Man, that's so good to know that I'm not the only one. I I run right out here by the church, and um, I run around, is that the baseball fields? And I'm like, this is terrible. Like, I hate running now. I'm going to talk about my running experience in just a moment, but I don't know. Some of you didn't raise your hand that you like to run, but if a bear came in here, all I got to do is outrun you. You know what I'm saying? Like... I'm going to find the fastest way out of here, and hopefully I'm going to save my family. We're gone. We're out, because, we're, but we're going to run with a purpose. And this is what Paul says. He says, I want to get to the end of my life and run not without purpose, but for a reason without, without. I want to show you some. I used to like running, and I hate running now, but back in 2013, I ran a marathon. I want to show you a couple of pictures after the race. It was the absolutely best thing I've ever done in my life and the worst thing I've ever done in my life. Or trained for months. My last 20-mile run was in three inches of snow in Pittsburgh. It was terrible. It was the most brutal, stupid thing I've ever done in my life. So I came to Little Rock and I was gonna run a marathon and we ran out And the last kind of last seven miles, you're run out towards the big damn bridge. Anybody ever been to, to that bridge? Okay. I'm just gonna be honest with you. We're in church, we can be honest. I was cussing that bridge the whole way. Not really, but I was like, God, I just wanna be done. I wanna die, I don't wanna finish. You run out to the bridge, and then you got to run back. And, and at that point, I reached a point where I had never been before. I had never ran any any further than 20 miles. And I'm like, God, I'm in the death zone. If I don't leave this area quickly, I'm going to die. And so you're running back towards downtown, and you see the big city, and you're like, this race is over. And you're like, no, it's not. So I got to the end of the race. I want to show you a picture of what happened to me. That's the end. But go to that next slide. As I was running towards the finish line, I was like, I just gotta finish. I just gotta finish. I just gotta finish. You hearing it? You feeling it? And if you look real closely at my left calf, it had locked up. And so at this point, it looks like I'm running like a six-minute mile. I was dragging my left leg across the finish line, and the people saw that I was, like, hurting. That I, They thought that I wasn't going to finish, and they brought a wheelchair over and said, Hey, dude, you want us to wheel you across the finish line? I said, Are you crazy, dude? I just ran 26.2 miles. I'm not going across the finish line with all these people with cameras to finish my marathon in a wheelchair. All right, funny story. At the end of the race, you know what they give you? This is so funny. Lily came up to me during the middle of the service She said, Dad, did you win first place? No. <laughs> One of the cool things, this is the only good thing about running a race in, in Little Rock is they give you the biggest medal known to man, right? And they put it around your neck at the end of the line. You're like, oh, I'm going to die just because of the weight of it. But I finished. I finished. Can I, can I, get, a, can I get a hand? <laughs> no, kidding. no, really. I finished it. I finished the race. But let's take this into the context of where we are today and what I believe God is wanting for us today. I, I don't know about you, but I just want to finish. And I want to finish well, and I want to finish, um, I just want to finish the race that God has set before me. I'm going to give you four principles really quick that I, that I learned from my marathon, and I think they translate into our spiritual life. This is a race. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Anybody over the age of 50, raise your hand. Can it? I mean, it's not. Like, we're, we're running a mar- marathon, not a sprint. It takes months of training, grueling Saturday mornings running long runs in the snow and the cold. Number two, I've got to run my own race. If you're not careful, I don't know if you've ever ran a race before, but they put you in these corrals and they say, all right, all the people who are gonna run at nine minutes here, nine thirty here. My race was I was gonna to try to finish at nine thirty. It's not very fast. There's a lot of people to finish before me, but if you're not careful, when you're running this race, you look around you and people are just taking off. And you want to run their race when in reality the race I gotta run is the race that I've trained for. A lot of you that are seating here, that are seated here today are looking at different people when in reality God is calling you to run your race. Run the race that God has set before you. Number three, if you want to finish a race, it's one step at a time. One foot in front of the other. One step at a time. Spend some time just just putting one foot in front of the other. Someone asked me, how fast do you want to finish the marathon? I said, I just want to finish. I put one foot in front of the other. Number four, never quit. Turn to your neighbor and say, never quit. I believe with all my heart that there is someone here today that is on the verge of quitting. Quitting on your marriage. Quitting on God, quitting on the situation, and you're done. Let me be the first one to tell you today never quit. Don't quit. Just keep running and start running and keep running and never finish until the finish line is there. Let's go to verse 17. Paul says this in verse 17, but I will rejoice. Everybody say the word rejoice. You see that word joy. This is where we get to the joyful part, but this doesn't make any sense. It's like an oxymoron. Paul, you're in prison. Look what he says, I will rejoice even if I lose my life. Does that make any sense to anybody here? He's like, I'm going to be joyful even if I have to give up my life for the cause of Christ. Pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like, and I want to hang on this phrase for just a moment, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. I want to stop right there because this means so much more to me than it has ever meant before. There's many of you that have been doing this thing called Hall and Chapel and Christianity, and you've been faithful to the call, and you have been faithfully serving God, because you do what you do, we get to do what we are called to do. Can you give yourselves a hand in the presence of God? I know that's kind of awkward, but every now and then it's okay to like, yeah, you're doing a great job. Like, because you all have been faithful for year after year after year after year, Now we get to go up to northwest Arkansas and do exactly what God is calling us to do. And then he says at the end of verse 17, and I want all of you to share that joy. Paul, what are you talking about? How can we be joyful in the face of persecution? How can we be joyful in prison? Like, what are you talking about? Verse 18, yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. When it's all said and done, I want to stand before God and say like Paul did, I left nothing else on the field. I gave it all that I had. I gave it all that I had. Obviously, Paul wasn't certain that he would die right here. But he's thinking in his mind, I may not make it out of prison. Well, We know because of history and what we read, three years after he wrote this letter back to the church at Philippi, Paul was martyred for the cause of Christ. Imagine with me for a moment saying these words, I'm ready to pour out my blood as a sacrifice for the advancement of, of the gospel. It's just a bold statement. In the same way as wine was poured out in ancient times as a sacrifice, Paul uses this analogy for his life and he literally says, I'm ready to spill my blood as a sacrifice for the gospel. I don't know about you, but I want to get there. I want to get to the place where I say, God, I am willing to lay down my life and give everything that I have as a drink offering for the cause of Christ. I want to finish today's sermon this way, I want, to read back. I want to go back to Hebrews chapter 12. We read this in our worship time, and I want to focus on this. This is the verse that I read at every mile during the marathon. One of these verses right here. Therefore, everybody say therefore. I love that. It's pointing back. It's a big finger pointing back to chapter 11, the great hall of faith. All the men and women who had great faith, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses. I want you to know today that if you're a follower of Jesus, there's a group of people that are, that are cheering you on, don't quit. We are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And this is my verse, said it 26, at least 26 times. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Can we say that? Can we read that together? Let's read it together. Here we One, two, three. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Verse 2, so how do we do this? You ever asked that question when we reading scripture? What God? Do you know what I'm going through? Do you know where I've been? Do you know what I'm facing right now? Well, This is how you do it. We do this by keeping our eyes squarely on Pastor Kyle Llewellyn. Right? Wives, sometimes you're thinking, i got to keep my eyes on my husband. Well, I'm just here to tell you we've been doing ministry and marriage together for 20 years. And sometimes I let her down. you got to keep your eyes squarely focused on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Why? What did he do? Is he that big a deal? He really is. Look what he did. He's the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. Listen to what he did. He endured the cross, disregarded his shame, and now, everybody say now. I love it. Right now. Paul's writing this in their time. We're reading it in our time, and it's still true today. Everybody say it now. Jesus is seated in heaven, he is finished. Now, he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Can we give God a hand of praise for what Jesus did on the cross for us today? Amen? So, one thing I know is that Jesus, I, wanna, I, wanna, I really want to give you a visual today of what Jesus Christ did for you. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you walked into the church for the first time, and you're like, why are those people so excited? Why do do they sing and raise their hands? Why do they clap? Why do they smile? Why do they have joy? How do they have joy? And maybe you're tempted and you're thinking in your mind, I want that. I'm here to tell you today it's because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ had a race that was set before him. Imagine with me, believers, those of you who are followers of Jesus, what if Jesus had said, I'm done. I'm quitting before the race is over. I'm quitting before the finish line. The finish line for Jesus was the cross. Imagine with me for just a moment, if Jesus got to the garden, and he had that conversation with his father, and he said, "God, if there's any other way that this could go down, let this cup pass from me." And he literally walked out of the garden and said, "I'm done." But here's the amazing thing about that story, is Jesus didn't quit until the finish, until the race was finished. He marched up that hill towards that cross and was crucified on a cross for me and for you. So why? Did Jesus die on a cross? Why did Jesus die? Why did he shed his blood? This is an analogy. This is a picture. Why did Jesus have to shed his blood on the cross? The scriptures tell us so that you don't have to die. See, Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is, that's Romans 6.23, Pastor. Romans 6.23, help me out. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. What we deserve as a result of us being sinners is we deserve to die. But Jesus Christ came and died for you so you don't have to die. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, it is our prayer. As pastors and leaders in this church, our deepest desires is that you would accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That you would come face to face with the cross and you would say, Jesus I'm a sinner, and I'm messed up, and I can't do this any longer on my own. I put my faith and trust in you and you alone. So here's what Jesus did. Jesus literally shed his blood on the cross and poured out his blood as a drink offering for us so that we could be saved. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. I want us to pray. Give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to move in this place in this still, small voice, in the way that only he can. Holy Spirit, move in this place. If there is someone here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, our prayer is that today they have heard and literally see the gospel as it is, that Jesus Christ died on a cross. He shed his blood to forgive our sin. There's someone here today that needs to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior God today. We ask and pray with all that we have. Every believer in the house today has prayed, God, save someone today. But God, then there's believers that are here that are running a race that seems overwhelming and they don't know what to do and they don't know where to turn. And God, maybe they want to give up. My prayer is that they won't quit, that they will not give up. God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for all that you've done in our lives. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this church. I thank you for all that you are doing today. Thank you, God, that the Holy Spirit is present, that he is moving and he is speaking, he is convicting, he is pulling, he is prodding, he is speaking, God, and I pray that we would respond. There's someone here today that doesn't know Jesus. I pray with all my heart that they would be saved. There's a believer here today that's on the verge of quitting and giving up. God, remind them today that they're not alone. Don't have to run the race alone they have the holy spirit that is within them that that comfort or that encourager to keep moving forward putting one foot in front of the other with our eyes focused on our champion jesus God, we don't give up We continue down the race that you called us and we will never quit we love you we praise you we thank you for all that you've done it's in jesus name we pray and everybody said